Hello, and welcome to Veins of Gold, Finding God's Treasure in a Dirt-Covered World. This is a podcast from Mountain View Baptist Church in Thomaston, Georgia. Now, let's join Pastor Ryan Christopher as he digs into this week's program. Well, hello, friends. Excited about this week. Going to get part two, part two of why they won't bite. Um, and, you know, this is just kind of a, a take on uh, a sermon uh, that we had done just a couple of weeks ago on why they're not buying it. Basically, basically what we're trying to do here is we're just trying to throw out some reasons. You know, we'd actually have about 100 reasons if, if we were to sit and talk together. If I were to go into a classroom, like a Sunday school class or something, and start talking to people, we'd come up with 100 reasons why they're not biting. You know, ultimately, ultimately, they're blinded. They can't see spiritually what uh, God is trying to uh, convey to them until God reveals that to them. But he does that through our witnessing. But a lot of times our witness itself is a roadblock and there are reasons for that. There are reasons why our witness is a roadblock. And a lot of times it's, uh, you know, inconsistency in the life of the Christian or in the life of the world that they're living in. And so what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to, uh, we're going to talk through a few more of these. Last week, last week we started, uh, you know, some of these reasons why, um, you know, why people are, are not biting, why they're not, why not biting on that bait. To, uh, to be pulled into Christ. Jesus told the disciples, he said, I'd make you fishers of men, make you fishers of men. And that's what I'm excited about being about pulling in some of those fish. Amen. And so what we want to do is we want to talk about some of those things, how we're, we're going to do to change some of that. We're going to finish this up today in this session. And, uh, so we'll be moving quickly through some of these. Uh, but I do want to, uh, I do want to encourage you to live a life that is, uh, that's an example for others. He said, Ryan, I'm not perfect. I hear this all the time. See, I'm not so sure that we are, uh, if this isn't one of the reasons why they're not biting, and that is uh, they hear us an awful lot talking about witnessing and such, but then we back off because we know what we used to be or we know we struggle with something, and and, and so we, we stay completely away from the witnessing the witnessing arena, and that's not the way to be. Now, if you're living in habitual sin, get that right with God before we go out and start talking to witness to people. If you, you know, the fact that we do uh, fail does not make us failures. Um, what makes us a failure is that we stop trying. Okay, and that's not what we want to do. We want to start, and we want to continue to live like Jesus Christ. Continue our best to uh, to do to do whatever we can to please our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let's look at some of these things. I mean, in all honesty, you know, one of them one of them is immorality is rising. Now, when I was uh, when I was preparing the sermon, you know, I love to alliterate. I listen, you know, sometimes use the same letters, sometimes use the same words, sometimes use a rhyming scheme, something like that. Just something, and, and more for my enjoyment preparing the sermon and and helping others remember points and things and. Uh, you know, using notes and things. So, you know, some of these, they're going to rhyme. Some of them are going to not rhyme so well because I'm not so good at that. But, uh, but the first thing that we're going to talk about immorality is rising. So people look out there in the world and they're like, wait a second, there is no change. I mean, this is completely the same as it's always been, or it's getting worse out there. I mean, even unbelievers for the most part, even unbelievers for the most part realize things are getting worse out there. You look at the political scene. I mean, in all honesty, the political scene is, is just awful. 
It's awful. And, uh, and I've never seen it quite like this before. I mean, I understood. I, you know, I go back to the days of, of, uh, of reading the book, you know, Saul Alinsky's books, rule, rule, book, Rules for Radicals. Uh, read that and just, I understand the playbook for the devil. I do. If, if you understand that book itself, and I don't want to get off chasing a rabbit too far. Um, but if you go back and you read that book alone, Saul Alinsky's, uh, Rules for Radicals, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, that uh, Satan is alive and well because this is his playbook. He uses it every time. If conservatives, Christians, whatever you might say, if they knew, uh, if they would read this and understand the playbook, every time they saw something in liberal media, every time they saw something in uh, in, in in the the death of this world uh, politics, um, they would realize that this is straight from that book. In fact, Saul Alinsky dedicated the book to the devils in the very front front of the pages. And uh, dedicated to the very first rebel who uh, who basically got his own kingdom, and uh, and the references to uh, uh, Lucifer himself, and so man, it's it's awful. But the but even unbelievers, to an extent, those who try to live decent lives, who are unbelievers, now those decent lives aren't going to get them into heaven, uh, and certainly going to uh, send them to hell. Uh, because they don't know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, but they're trying to live a decent life. I know some people who love, who love people, who take care of people, who, who would give you the shirt off their back, but don't know Jesus. Those people understand, just like uh, uh, many of us, that their that immorality is growing at a rapid, rapid rate in America. So let's look at this uh, abortion. Abortion. Now, though, I believe this is beginning to tilt back the other direction in America. I believe we're probably over fifty percent of Americans uh, still, uh, over, you know, still believe that abortion is is murder, and uh, and so you know that, that it wasn't like that for a little while, guys. I mean, in all honesty, it wasn't. I mean, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, it there was a there was a point where uh, you know the, it was it was above fifty percent that believed it was a, a right to be able to take the life of an unborn child. Now, now we're not going to get off on abortion, but I'm just telling you the immorality that's out there. People recognize that this stuff is getting, uh, you know, worse to a degree. And, but here's the thing, the devil's fighting harder and harder to keep it. That's what they're seeing. They don't understand that that's what's happening, that this is spiritual warfare, but it is what's had lawlessness, uh, the, uh, you know, our country, uh, these cities allowing the destruction of their cities, uh, from these idiots, Antifa, and uh, and they're allowing that stuff. People are seeing the chaos involved with all of that, and all of the things that are trying to divide us in this nation. Uh, what awful, awful stuff! The riots that are happening. Uh, you know, it's it just transgender. I mean, you know, just you know, the fact that the fact that parents have the ability to abuse their children. Now, these aren't adults choosing to do some kind of uh, sex change or, or any of these other things. Uh, you know, gender altercation, you know, uh, I mean, uh, gender alternative stuff. There's not, there's not, uh, there, it's not that they're adults making these awful decisions. They're adults making awful decisions for children who they have no business allowing them to do uh, some of the things that they're, they're doing to these bodies and to these uh, hormones and such. Uh, pedophilia. I mean, it was just, I mean, California, which is just a cesspool of awful garbage. Uh, just, uh, you know, just passed a law, or at least they're in the process of passing a law that will allow, uh, adult, uh, adult homosexuals to, uh, be able to, uh, uh, have, uh, sexual relations with minors who are, who are 
willing. I guess they call them willing miners. Um, but this is just, just the beginning of this garbage uh, adultery at an all-time high in America. Pornography uh, created here and sent all over the world. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. And this isn't just a bashing of sin. This is just, I'm just telling you, immorality's rising. And they're like, look, you know, you guys talk about Jesus and how effective he is and he can change everything, but things are just getting worse. Why in the world, why in the world should we believe you? I mean, if we go back to the verses that we were, that we had earlier. When we go back into Acts chapter 26, which is what we talked about last week a little bit, you know, Paul's trying to convince, I mean, here he is on trial and Paul has, Paul has learned to understand this. Paul has learned to understand that when we're going through trials, that God has a place for us in that trial and that somehow we've got to, uh, show his glory in the midst of that. So Paul is, has been arrested. Um, he's before King Agrippa and he is talking with him and he's trying to convince him of, uh, of, of, of his own conversion. Paul's trying to convince him of his conversion. And he say, he, t- he tells Agrippa about what happened, about the fact that he was a murderer of Christians, that, that, uh, that, that Agrippa knew that, and he probably didn't have a problem with all that. Uh, but told him about, you know, falling down the great light and falling down before Jesus himself and, and uh, being converted from Saul to Paul, and I mean all the great things that occurred, and Jesus calling him to be a, an apostle and and uh, and a leader in the Christian movement to write a third of the New Testament. I mean it's just an incredible, incredible story. And Agrippa says, hey, Paul, you know all this learning you've been doing, all this stuff because you're obviously a great scholar, Paul. You've done gone crazy doing this stuff. And Paul says, I'm not crazy. And then Agrippa says something that is gripping. Can you believe that? Agrippa says something gripping. And he says this. He says, listen, he says, you have almost convinced me, Paul, by your, uh, by your enthusiasm and by your energy, you have almost convinced me to become a Christian. Paul says, man, I don't want you just to become a Christian, just to almost become a Christian. I want you to become one. I want everyone that knows you to become one. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. That's some, that's some good witness, but almost, and here's the people out there, you know, I probably would give your guy a chance, this Jesus a chance and see what, see what it's all about. At least listen to your story. If I didn't see everything in the world wasn't falling apart, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's what they're, that's what they're looking at and seeing. My goodness, we got to move. We got to move. We've been on this for a little while. All right, the next thing he said, you know, immorality is rising, but our youth are hiding. That's why, that's another thing. That's another thing. Our youth are on fire for everything but Jesus. And I, I'm just talking about Christian youth. I mean, my goodness, we bring them into a room and they think they've got so much stuff on their phone, so much garbage on their phone and, and the texting that they do and the sexting that they do and the, and the pornography that's on their phones. And I'm talking about Christian youth and I'm talking about all, you know, we preach it from the pulpits and we try to help them out. We try to love them. And there are some Christian kids who are trying their best to do what they can to live for Jesus. And they're being pulled into this environment, but our youth are not witnessing. They, they aren't even bringing, they're not bringing their friends to be a part of this kind of thing i mean it's it just it's just blowing my mind now there are big youth groups okay there are big youth groups but nothing is changing in their life and uh and i know i say that in a general sense because there are specifically some really really good godly people who are doing their best to live for jesus 
And uh, but I just we see this and we know this and we understand this and we 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 understand what the devil is doing because if we can get our youth and then not get them look they are not returning to church once they get out of youth group and go on to college or such they're not returning to church probably a small small percentage of them are returning to church and that breaks my heart folks we got to have these youth back we've got to understand we got to get them uh back and plugged in their energy back and plugged in their volunteering back and plugged in all of these things have got to we got to um We've got to do that because, listen, I like, look, I, I can remember being a youth. It seems like yesterday, my, I mean, my goodness, I'm almost half a century year old, years old, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It's flying. We've got to get a hold of these youth, but before you know it, they'll be my age and haven't been in church in 25 to 30 years if they're if we're not careful we want to make sure that they get back into that they get back into church and here's here's part of the problem with them they go off to college and they go to these colleges that don't that that uh that do their dead level best to destroy their faith in god i mean we we spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to send kids to college and yet they're being taught the whole time that this god we serve doesn't even exist and they're being taught all kinds of garbage and MRI that the infiltration and I talk about in the Bible 830 Bible study we do here uh online that that uh on, on Sunday Bible study I talk about this infiltration that happened in the colleges uh well it's happened in the, in the high schools this happened everywhere it's happened in the churches this infiltration of teaching you know teaching some uh left-wing uh garbage to these kids is just destroying them uh from the inside out and uh and I, what we've got to do what we gotta, listen uh middle school is huge for these kids uh high school is huge for these kids they're in our churches we need to be serving but they're not witnessing they are not witnessing but the reason they're not witnessing they look around and nobody's witnessing nobody is bold enough to talk about jesus publicly and that is and again i talk in general terms i know specifically there are people out there who are doing their best um, to get the gospel out there to people. But I am telling you, for the most part, we are not doing our jobs on this. We're not even throwing out the line uh, to uh, to see these fish caught. We're not even doing that. Uh, but now, the youth are hiding. Immorality is rising. The youth are hiding. And no one is crying. No one is crying. You say, what in the world has that got to do with anything? Let me, let me tell you a little bit about emotion, folks. Um and, and and I think I think you guys know this. I think you know this. Um, when you preach with emotion, when you teach with emotion, when you teach with feeling, like like for example, uh, my wife Amy, she is uh, she's in education, and and uh, and a lot of times she gets to observe teachers and and you know kind of rate them and and tell them where they they can uh, where they can do better and where they where they can uh, where they can fix some things and all all sorts of things like that. And she will come home sometimes talking about teachers who have put their heart into something. And you can tell it. You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference. And a teacher, you know, the students love a teacher who will give all of their emotion to teaching them a subject because then they become, uh, then they get to where they love the subject. And then they, it's, e it's easy to learn when you're learning from a teacher who's enthusiastic about their subject. I mean, uh, his or her subject. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you it is. And that's why I try my best to be enthusiastic when I teach and preach. But that's also why a lot of people are, uh, you know, 
are attracted in colleges to professors or attracted to uh, uh, teachers, uh, specific ones, because they teach it with passion and they say, I want to be in that class and I want to learn that subject simply because they're on fire about it. Um, look, emotion matters. Emotion matters. And, you know, all throughout the Bible, the people who weep before God and in repentance, it matters. Uh, it matters to other people who are watching that. They realize how much you care. I told a story in this past 830, uh, uh, well, actually in this upcoming 830 Bible study that we do here. Um, I told a, you told a story about Winston Churchill. Uh, he was in a meeting in London and there was a small area in London that got bombed while he was in this meeting. And he asked his, he asked the people that were with him, his aunt, you know, the people who handled him and, you know, got him places and took him places and things. He said, I want to go to wherever this was just bombed. Oh my goodness. That just happened. I want to go see what's happened. I want to see what's happened. So they drive him there and he gets out and he sees the people and they're all around him. And they're like, so glad to see Winston Churchill. And he just starts crying. He just starts crying because he is so saddened that this poor neighborhood had been bombed like it had and they looked at him and they said oh this is Winston Churchill he's crying he cares for us what the, how can this be that somebody with such notoriety actually cares for people like us well think about this well we have a, we have an incredible savior lord king of kings lord of lords almighty god everlasting father who cares about us that amazes me that amazes me and it ought to amaze you but no one is weeping for our nation of course, there are certain specific people who are, but as far as a far as a Christian group, we're not we're not weeping for this nation. We're not weeping for families. We're not weeping for them, and we ought to be weeping with everything we have. We've been crying out to God, if you will, and saying, "God, forgive us for all that we have done wrong. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Help us." Oh, and that person that needs to be saved in your, that person that needs to be saved in your family. You, you have to know, you have to know that they desperately need your tears. They need you to cry out to God for their soul. And I know that you will. And I know that you can. I know that you can. There's a story, and I told it in the sermon when I preached it. There's a story of Thomas Jefferson when he retired. He, you know, founded the University of Virginia and he didn't have a very tight, discipline code because he felt like the people there would behave as they should but unfortunately because there was no code these uh there was a riot that started all kinds of craziness with the uh with the with um with the professors and and uh and, and hurting the professors attacking the professors all kinds of things like that well thomas jefferson came the very next day and they had a they had a um they had a meeting to talk about the discipline of these uh, these young men who were in this riot, and they brought them all forward. and And uh, just before just before um, they began to uh, call them all forward, Thomas Jefferson started weeping and said, "This is, has to be one of the saddest days of my entire life." Well, when they called for the men who were responsible to come forward and say their names, the men who were responsible did just that. They stepped forward and they gave their names. They said, we didn't give our names because of any trouble we might get into. We gave our names and turned ourselves in because of his tears, because of Thomas Jefferson's tears. We could tell this broke his heart. Folks, and it's the thing. It's what's happening in this world. Is it breaking your heart? Is, is the fact that people are not being saved like they should, is that breaking your heart? It ought to be breaking your heart. It ought to be something that is driving you uh, to your knees 
all the time. Should you live in despair? No, certainly should live in joy. But when we're crying out for our people that we weep and we weep for them in hopes that they'll come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have a joy knowing that Jesus wants to save them, wants to save them. And there's an old saying that there's an old saying that says, uh, I think it says, what soap is for the body, tears are for the soul. I get a um I get some bars of soap from uh our our chairman of deacons mother uh makes soap and I get some soap from her and it's some good good stuff I guarantee you some good stuff but um uh, what soap is for the body what soap is for the body tears are for the soul okay no one's crying and here's a, here's another thing folks here's another thing churches are dying Churches are dying. That's the reason they're not buying it. That's the reason they're not buying the stuff that we we uh, that we're giving them. This Jesus, they're seeing churches die right before their eyes. They're driving by and they're seeing these empty churches. They see a church and there's three cars outside. And you know, bless bless the three people that are there, or the six, seven, eight people that are there that came in the three cars. I mean, praise the Lord, you go into church, but those churches dying. And it's easy to see that happen, especially during COVID, you know, that's been going on. This COVID garbage has been going on and it less and less people feel like they need to go to church. And they got this as an excuse. I really don't want to go there. But you should see them at the ball game. I mean, you see them all. At the, I mean, in all honesty, I, I have actually done that. I mean, we had a, a church game. I mean, a ch- not a church game, but a football game. Uh, this past uh, this past Friday, I saw some other folks that hadn't been in church this whole time. They were at the football game. And, it, you know, you just wave and love them. I mean, that's all you can do. That's it. But it is what it is. And they're not going to, I mean, but I'm telling you, there are churches out there dying for different reasons and all sorts of reasons, financial reasons, immorality reasons. Uh, you know, they just plain bored with Jesus reasons, I guess. It's awful to see. It's awful to see church on life support. I mean, I've, I've been into hospital rooms where I've seen people hooked up to uh, hoses and, and lines and, uh, and tubes and all kinds of things to their body, especially after uh, especially after uh, a transplant of some sort. They'd be hooked up to all sorts of things. And uh, I have seen people on life support. I have seen people on the verge of death. And I've seen see people pass away. And both you can tell it. It's the same kind of pattern it is with a church. You can tell it when it's on life support. And you're like, my goodness, this! how long can this happen before a miracle is going to happen to, to save this place? Um, the good thing about our church is we, we help churches. We, we, you know, we get a hold of some of them. We're like, listen, we can help you financially for a little bit. Try to get you a little kickstart. Try to get this thing going again. I believe we can help you. And, uh, we do our best to do that. Thanks to the, you know, faithful giving of those who, who come to church and are faithful enough to tithe. Uh, we're able to do some, do some of that. But I mean, it, it's like, I can remember all, you know, some of the Westerns and the tumbleweeds and the ghost towns and all this kind of stuff like that. You know, it's like, my goodness gracious, where have every, have, where has everyone gone? Where has everyone gone? There's a story of a, of a group of people who uh, commissioned this artist to draw a, a dead church. A dead church. They wanted him to uh, paint, rather, a dead church. And so he did, and they came to see it, and they said, I'm done, just come and, come and get it. So they came, and they got the painting, and they wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. This is a beautiful church. This is nice and pretty and brick, and it, it's, a, it's a gorgeous church. He said, no, 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 look inside this window right here, what I've drawn in here and what I've painted in here. And inside that window was a rather large window in the painting. All of the pews were empty. Oh, it's a beautiful church. Sure, it was a beautiful church. Praise the Lord, a beautiful church on the outside. But on the inside, it was dead and empty. 
Folks, we see this kind of stuff happening all the time, and that's not what we want to see. I'm, I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to move quickly. People aren't people aren't buying it because churches are dying, and they're seeing it happen, folks. They're seeing it happen. They're not buying it because the workers are tiring. I mean, we're getting tired out there. We're you know here we are. We've been off. Look, look, look we've been off of this. We've been away from this uh, uh, the work for six months. Six months. Oh, the preachers have been going. The preachers have been doing their thing. And there's been some volunteers that, you know, still trying to get in there and, and, and get it going a little bit, trying to get the, trying to get the excitement back. But hey, they've gotten used to being away from everything. And oh my goodness gracious, it's like being in the fourth round of a heavyweight fight. You just, you just holding yourself up barely. But folks, I'm telling you, this can't, this can't be the case. We got to get back to work. Folks need us. Folks need us. Somebody had asked Hank, Hank Gary what he did when he was in a slump. He just said he kept just kept swinging. He just kept swinging. You got to keep going, folks. You know, you you cannot. You know, when Jesus says, "Come to me, ye who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest," he is talking to those Christians uh, right now, today. This is a verse for us today. In coming to Him, who are beat up and tired, six months we've been away from this like we were. Before that, we were going full full speed ahead as fast as we possibly. We were getting ready to do an Easter play. Uh, we were practicing the Easter play. It was March. We we're getting ready. All of a sudden, this whole thing shuts down, and there's not even an Easter service in church anywhere, folks. And the workers are tiring, and, and people can see up now. It's not, it's not even, you don't even have any volunteers out here working. My goodness, what's the deal with that? And so that's not that's that's part of the reason they're not biting. Another one is you Christians aren't smiling. You Christians aren't smiling. Look, we walk around with our heads down just as gloomy as humanly possible. That is not what we ought to be doing, folks. We ought to have a joy about us. You know, earlier I said something about weeping. Sure, in your private prayer time, weep. And if you're in your church, you can weep and cry out for your people. And you can cry out for America as well you should. But, man, when we're out there telling about Jesus, we need to have a smile on our face. We need to have a smile on our face. Charles Spurgeon was talking about, Charles Spurgeon was talking about, uh, uh, when you're witnessing, he said, when you're talking about, when you're talking about heaven, I want you to have a big smile on your face, be excited. And, you know, you're just paraphrasing this, be excited, be, you know, you know, give it all you got and all the gusto you can get. He said, when you're talking about hell, your everyday face will be just fine. Meaning this, we walk around with this sullen, just awful, melancholy kind of feel about us. And, uh, and people notice it. People notice it. Why would I want what you got? I'm perfectly, they think perfectly happy without Jesus. Why would I want what you got? You look miserable. You look miserable. You don't look like he's ever helped you a day in your life. You don't look like he's the one that keeps your heart beating. You don't look like that. Folks, think about this. Think about this. You know, I, I tell, I ask some people sometimes, who ate your bowl of sunshine? I mean, come on. I mean, are you that mad? Are you that upset? Smile a little bit. Smile. That's what we want to do. We want to smile. Here, here's here's another thing, folks. Why pulpits are silent? People out. Think about this. I, mean, I think it was a quote by Leonard Ravenhill. He said, "If Jesus preached the way most preachers preach today, he never would have been killed." And you say, "No, wait a second. What do you mean by that?" Well, he was saying this. He was saying he never would have gone to the cross. He needed to get to that cross, and he wasn't going to get to that cross by preaching some of the stuff some preachers are preaching today, all nice and happy and all that kind of stuff. Pulpits are silent about the evils that are going on in this world. They're they're just silent about it. They're not they're not speaking out, speaking up, speaking in, speaking around. They're not speaking out to people and witnessing to them. They're not they're not from the pulpit, not teaching them right and wrong. They're not they're not um 
They're not in the midst of, uh, of teaching the whole counsel of God, the good, the bad, the, the ugly at times. They're not into that and they're not doing it. So we, we find ourselves, we find ourselves with, uh, frozen churches, just basically frozen because they have snowmen in the pulpit. And that's just, that's just an awful place to be at. It's an awful place to be at is where our preachers aren't preaching the truth from the word, even if it hurts. And folks, here's the thing. We need to preach it even if it hurts. All right. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the thing too. As we, as we begin to close, our lights are not shining. Our lights are not shining. Look, there's a little boy, a little boy one time he was getting in trouble from his mom and his mom said, there were two cookies in this cookie jar. <laughs> there were two cookies in this cookie jar last night. Why are there only one today? Why is there only one today? He said, well, it was so dark. I must've missed that one. So he wasn't trying to get away with it. Praise God. He was just trying to say, doggone, if I'd known that, I'd have got both cookies. No, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are the light in this world, folks. Do not forget that. Christian, do not forget it. They gonna, they're going to watch you. Uh, if I think it was D.L. Moody that said out of 100 people, uh, one is going to read their Bible like they should, and 99 are going to read you. And if that's the case, folks, we have got to be at light of the world. They're watching us to see what we're doing, how we're doing it, what, who we're doing it for. They're watching us, friends. They're watching us. We are the light of that world. Shine brightly with that big old smile and that joy. If it seems hopeless, it's not, it's not hopeless, folks. Lead with truth. Don't stop the grind. Stand against evil. Uh, challenge our youth. Uh, cry out to God for souls and, 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 and cry before him, weep before him, encourage churches to stand for the word and stay alive. I mean, uh, lift the spirits of workers and be joyful in Christ, uh, preach the truth and shine and just shine and just shine and just shine. I don't want to say I'm not buying anything from people who dislike, uh, you know, dislike, uh, what they're selling. Okay. I, I want to, I want to buy from somebody who believes in the product and you ought to believe in the product. Be that light for the world that needs Jesus Christ. Be that light. Hey, and hopefully they're going to bite that bait. I can't wait to see some people saved because we have taken this to heart. Love you guys. See you again real soon, or at least I'll talk to you again real soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Veins of Gold, a podcast of Mountain View Baptist Church. For information about our church and ministries, please visit our website, mvbaptist.org.